Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. As restrictions are loosened in Alert Level 2, many businesses can now reopen. Chris Tennant Brown is back to talk about what this means for economic activity. We also chat about the latest announcement from the Reserve Bank and the highlights from Budget 2020. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Chris, good morning to you. How, how are things? Good to uh, talk to you uh, virtually again. I can't, uh, I can't see you, but I, I, I can hear you. So how are things going? Not bad. What, what did we think this was the 50th day of the, uh, the lockdown? So I've learned to cut my own hair um, just before they let me out into the world. So, um, yeah, things are going, going okay at my end. And um, although I'm not enjoying the slightly cooler weather, it's not as uh, – I have to rug up a little bit to go for walks and things like that compared to at the start of the lockdown. Yeah, no, it is, uh, it's certainly cooled off a bit. I think, I think it is 50 days of lockdown and um, not as though I'm – uh, celebrating, but it's uh, we're, we're hopefully getting towards the end, and we're now in level two. Sounds a bit like me. I think level two for me is um, a bit like level three, but with a haircut. So it's um, things are slowly getting back to back to normal. And um, one of the things I certainly enjoyed yesterday was watching a bit of the budget on television. I actually got to see you, Chris. You were all over all over the TV yesterday. Looked like the haircut was pretty good and uh, looked like you'd applied your own makeup though for the TV studio. It looked a bit shiny. Yeah, that was used to be one of my highlights is that they could make me look 10 years younger by uh, putting on some makeup and doing my hair properly. Uh, but um, in alert level two, you don't get a uh, makeup artist. They're, um, so because oh. of uh, distancing, you've got to do it yourself. And um, yeah, so first time makeup uh, uh, applications for a while for me. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, going back to normal where if I am on TV, they can make me look a little bit younger. But, uh, yeah, two hours of talking about the budget yesterday. Um, we'll, we'll try and compress it a little bit today. I'm sure people, if they, um, yeah. if they really want to hear two hours of it, they can find, they can find it on, um, on the internet. But um, maybe we can touch on that towards the end of the podcast. But there's heaps yeah, of other well, stuff that happened yeah. this week as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's loads to talk about. We'll get to the budget maybe uh, towards the end. But uh, every time we've done these discussions through lockdown, we've talked about what does level four mean for the economy and what does level three mean to the economy. Now we're in level two. Maybe if I start by asking the same question, what do you think What do you think level two is going to mean for sort of economic economic activity? Yeah, well, the rough numbers that uh, the Treasury and the RBNZ uh, put on it is somewhere – uh, around 85 to 90% of economic activities taking taking place, and um, which we'll only know in hindsight. Uh, but I, I, I think when you when you head around at a level two, we can we can see that there is an awful lot more activity taking place now. Um, there's there's lots more cars on the road. Uh, there's lots more businesses are are open. Uh, the hair, the queues at the hairdressers, I think, were, will be. Uh, the, the catch cry of alert level two, just like uh, takeaways and fast food were at, at alert level three. Um, 
but uh, cafes, restaurants are really going to try and open up and then and next week we'll get bars opening up as well. Professional sport back, so there'll be something more for us to watch apart from replays. So it really feels like an awful lot's getting back. Uh, the bit that's clearly missing are the, are the tourists and uh, we saw that in some migration figures this week. Um, the main uh, visitor arrivals were Kiwis coming home. Uh, but that's the bit which stops us getting from 90% to 100%, I think, is the, is the big hole that the, um, that the service sector is in uh, with the lack of tourists. And, and so that's going to be around for a while. But we're getting yeah. back more towards normal for a lot of things. Yeah, and I think you're right. There seems to be the tourist industry and anything associated with tourism is going to be the is the probably the industry is going to be affected the most and probably for the longest time period, I would have thought. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a big chunk. Uh, so you can clearly see how five percent of the activity of the economy or thereabouts is going to be in a um, is going to be missing until we can open up those international borders. And uh, I think, incidentally, uh, jumping forward to the budget a little bit, that's something that people probably uh, could be a bit disappointed not to see more about in the budget. Um, there's clearly a desire to get tourism back, but it's not going to happen, I don't think, until we get a, a vaccine. Um, and But hopefully we see much more talk about these trans-Tasman bubbles and things, but um, that uh, we're not going to get back to uh, uh, to 95%. Um, until we get down to uh, alert level one and the missing bit will be that 5% for the international tourists and all the associated things with that. You're definitely right. It is you marked increase in um, number of cars on the road and people milling around and people getting into cafes and shops and stuff. It is nice to see that people have, uh, you know, not, are not too reticent about going out and actually are out there trying to support uh, businesses, which is, is lovely and is definitely what, definitely what we need. Um, but it's been a busy week, though, Chris. The uh, Reserve Bank um, kept the official cash rate on hold as as predicted, and you didn't you didn't need to be an economist to predict to predict that, I suppose. But that that's probably not really the news story anymore, is it? It's all the other stuff that the Reserve Bank are doing. Do you want to talk a little bit about about what you're seeing there? That's right. The the Reserve Bank themselves had said we're going to keep the official cash rate at a quarter of a percent for uh, twelve months when they cut it back in March. So uh, the economist's job became fairly easy then, uh, but we've got this quantitative easing or bond buying program that they've now got. So there's a huge amount of interest in the size of it. Now, when we, when we were, uh, were looking at these policies that the Reserve Bank had and the government had back in March, and the government's initial support package was running a deficit of 4% of GDP. And we thought, wow, that's pretty big. That's what they ran in the global financial crisis. And the Reserve Bank came out and said, we'll buy $30 billion worth of government bonds, which we also uh, thought was pretty big. But as the crisis has unfolded and the, and the size of the hole that the economy's fallen into has got bigger, and this is happening around the world, of course, um, the, the, there's been a clear uh, view that the Reserve Bank will need to step up their program. And indeed, that's what they did. They doubled it. So it was $30 billion worth of government bonds when it was first announced. Then they added $3 billion worth of local government funding agency bonds. These are the bonds that, uh, that, that fund the councils. And now they've increased that program to $60 billion. And so it's much, much bigger and they're buying government bonds at a, at a, at a 
fast rate, over a billion dollars worth per per week. And this goes hand in hand with the huge amount of bonds that the government is going to need to issue over the uh, the next year or two. So we saw an interesting um, couple of days in the bond market. Um, bond yields have come right down in, in, in New Zealand because the Reserve Bank's stepping up into, in, in, into the market and buying them. So our 10-year government bond yield is well below 1% now, which is just incredibly low. And New Zealand's, the, what the Reserve Bank wants to see is, is not just those government bond yields low. They want to see all interest rates low in the economy. So the Reserve Bank was pretty direct on that. So their language was also interesting too that they used on, on Wednesday. Now they want to see mortgage rates lower. They want to see funding costs to businesses lower. They really want to see these low official cash rate and this quantitative easing flowing right through to all the interest rates in the economy. So it's pretty um, pretty direct language from the Reserve Bank on Wednesday and, uh, and a really interesting meeting, even though the traditional thing that we look at, that official cash rate didn't budge in it and it probably won't for a while. And is that is that all, just so I'm clear, that all this sort of um, issuance is around keeping interest rates across the market low to encourage businesses to invest and to try and grow in that, and more money in our pockets, supposedly? Is that the, is that the thinking? Yeah, so uh, essentially the, the, by buying government bonds, they take, um, they take money out of the, that market. So a bondholder will sell their bond to the Reserve Bank and then put that money elsewhere. Maybe they'll put it into corporate bonds. So we tend to see all yields getting uh, dragged down with it if it's a successful program right now. So, for example, banks, uh, the yield on bank bonds have come down now. So if ASB wanted to issue some bonds to then in turn generate some money to turn into lending, we can do it at lower rates because of this low interest rate environment that the Reserve Bank's uh, set up. So ultimately, they want cheaper funding costs for borrowers in the economy, and the government's a huge borrower, but they're also thinking of businesses as, as well. And within the plumbing of the banking system, uh, there's other things the Reserve Bank's doing, uh, you know, to, to ensure that there's um, funding available for banks and liquidity available for, for banks. Government's doing the same, but what the Reserve Bank was pretty open about is they want to see those low rates flowing through to borrowers as well. So it's um, a bit of jawboning down on on mortgages, etc. And in ASB's case, we've got our first um, mortgage with a two percent handle, a two ninety nine uh, rate, and uh, that's exactly what the Reserve Bank wants to see, and 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 more. Uh, they they want to see people that are borrowing being able to access at low rates, and that includes homeowners as well. So it is flowing through. The Reserve Bank's just being pretty explicit that they want to see more flowing through. So an interesting day for uh, economists in the Reserve Bank. Have we seen that before in New Zealand? That interest rates, mortgage rates, that low? Or is this a, is this a first? I think it's a first with a 299 fixed mortgage like this. Um, so the last time um, mortgages and term deposits were down these sorts of rates is uh, back in the in the in the 60s. Um, so it certainly is low as uh, as it's it's lower than I've got in my data series that goes back to 1965. So um, yep, I'd call it a I'd call it a record in my books at, at least. And um, yeah. Yeah, the first time in New Zealand, at least, that we've seen these uh, the, these sorts of levels. I remember you uh, talking yeah. years ago about mortgage rates and if you could ever get a rate uh, 
uh, that was close to 5% for any length of time, you've done pretty well. Uh, here we are now in 2020 going, it's below three and potentially going, you know, with a two in the front and might go lower. It's just incredible to think how things have changed so dramatically here and so quickly. Oh, absolutely. I had a, I, I jumped for joy when I got a, a 5.7% mortgage. I thought this is as good as it could get. And I fixed it for five years back in the global financial crisis. And, um, then they dipped below five and that looked like a big deal and, and, and it's just kept on grinding lower and lower and lower. And uh, hey, if we look at an extreme in Denmark, on one podcast we talk about how they've got a negative um, mortgage rate there and uh, you know, so they've ground all the way down to, to zero effectively in, in Denmark. It's, it's just staggering what's, uh, what's, what's happened with borrowing costs around the world. The flip side of it, uh, which is tough news, is hand-in-hand with the low borrowing costs has been low-term deposit rates. And some people say, why why haven't banks cut mortgages by the full three-quarter of a percent that that the Reserve Bank cut the official cash rate by in March? And the other side of that is, well, there's term deposits that are sitting there as well. They've chipped away a little bit lower and they're all getting... um, you know, in that one and a half to, to early 2% range now, whereas they were around 5% a few years ago. So it's it's great news from the Reserve Bank for borrowers and, and terrible terrible news for term deposit investors. Uh, they, uh, it's, a, it's a downward pressure on those rates as well. Yeah, and that's definitely, I suppose, when that starts to sort of concern me a little bit that people maybe start to make investment decisions, you know, be, because of what the rates are. Um, and so I suppose that's where some stuff we talk about constantly about, you know, what's your what's your plan, what's your time frame, what's your tolerance to risk, those types of things is I think is more important when rates are so low because uh, you can't you don't want to be jumping just to something that looks shiny and new with a higher rate because it might not actually be the right thing for you and what you're trying to try to achieve. Oh yeah, this is a tricky environment too. Uh, you know the Stepping, stepping slightly up the, the risk scale um, just in the fixed interest space uh, doesn't get you much return, even even once you get out of investment grade bonds, um, which, are, which are riskier um, once you drop below triple B um, from a ratings perspective. The yields are still incredibly low, so you're not even getting a huge amount of reward for uh, for taking that credit risk, if you like. So it's 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 tough to get a yield from a really conservative investment, but it's also a um, a, a tough economy to invest in. There's going to be some stuff which changes quite a bit because of of COVID nineteen. So so it's it's it really is a tricky time for conservative investors, and and well as as always. Um, it's a really good time to sit down and make sure you're getting good advice so that your money's in the right place. Uh, the one thing I'm I'm really confident with our forecasts and, and the forecasts when I look at the Reserve Bank is with the economy slowing as much as it has, there's not going to be much inflation pressure in the next year or two. And so these low interest rates are going to be around for quite a while. So um, it's not it's not a problem that's going to go away in the next year or two for term deposit investors, unfortunately. So um, that's where getting advice is uh, is so important right now. Yeah, and you and you sort of t- touched on it around Denmark and negative interest rates. And I think a few weeks ago we uh, we touched on interest rates going negative, and because there was a bit of press around it. Have you have you updated your view? Are you still 
believing it, we won't get a negative uh, official cash rate. Where are you sitting today on that? Yeah, well, the Reserve Bank chatted about it and um, and are certainly making uh, preparations um, so that they've got that as a tool, um, negative interest rates. But we don't think it'll be first cab off the rank. Uh, they will. They can keep the downward pressure on the uh, on the wholesale rates um, with their quantitative easing. Uh, uh, they call it large scale asset purchases, but that bond buying. Um, they are lowering the OCR. They could still cut it to zero, um, and they could make it negative. We think by time they get to the end of this 12-month period um, that they've committed to when they said they'd keep it at a quarter of a percent. Um, and they've really got into this quantitative easing. Perhaps the economy will be starting to pick up and they won't need to keep going even, pushing even harder with the negative official cash rate. And one thing that, that um, investors will find uh, reassuring, hopefully, is when we're talking about a negative cash rate, if it were to happen, we're not talking about negative term deposit rates. We don't think that uh, we'll ever have a situation where we ask people to pay us to give them money, which a negative term deposit rate would be. Um, but if we did have a negative official cash rate, we would see lower term deposit rates than we've got now and lower mortgage rates because that's what it's that's what it's all about. But um, just stress that's not what we're forecasting at the moment. And actually, if, if people are really interested in that, um, we put out a note about this that, that people can download on our on our website this week, just talking about what we think the Reserve Bank will do if they need to do do more. And I think the first thing that they'd likely do is just expand those bonds uh, purchases that they're doing. They could buy corporate bonds as well. They could look at their term lending facilities um, that they've got set up to boost liquidity. So there's quite a lot of stuff that they'll do before they cut the official cash rate if they need to. And of course, the other side of it is with the Reserve Bank has, has been really regular in saying that Fiscal policy is the is the thing which will help the economy right now. Interest rates can only do so much of the work. It's more about fiscal policy, and of course we saw the um, finance minister come out with the big bazooka yesterday, and so the Reserve Bank will be comfortable with that. They had a working assumption that there was that the government was going to do a an awful lot more, and indeed the government did. Now this this nice segue, and I, I can't believe you described the budget as the big bazooka. Uh, what was it? The big bazooka um big bazooka. So, <laughs> a big bazooka um so but maybe just touch on some of the sort of uh, highlights uh of the what was announced yesterday well i think that the, the highlight for me is is that the government absolutely gets the 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 sheer size of the problem um there's no point in getting in an argument about whether the unemployment rate's going to be 9% or 10% and whether you should count people on the subsidies as as on uh, as unemployed or still in work. Um, the reality is a stack of people have lost their jobs uh, because of the situation and uh, the government is going to need to completely turn the taps on to, to solve it. So the size is, the size is impressive. Um, what I what I was more disappointed in is there's not a clear plan yet. Uh, the government has literally billions of dollars of unallocated funds. Um, they've got this fifty billion dollar COVID response and recovery fund. Um, Thirty billion's been earmarked. Um, 
there's uh, around um, just over 10 billion that you can see that's clearly getting spent on extensions of the current programs and a couple of other initiatives. But there's there's 20 billion that's just going to be used for the future. There's an assumption that tourism uh, comes back, um, but this is the stuff where the economy will need a real clear plan on this over the over the coming months. And that's the bit that I thought was a bit lacking. Now, to be fair, um, we're all having to make this up as we go along. This wasn't a problem that, or a, or a budget that anyone was expecting to uh, need to be written uh, at the at the start of the year. So even even in February, mid February, uh, we were thinking this is a problem that's going to be happening offshore, uh, but but that'll be how it transmits to us. And yet here we are with the economy probably down. Um, we think uh, close to seven percent, seven percent smaller by the end of this year than it was at the it was at the start. So hats off for um, the government for being all over the size and the scale of the problem. Uh, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating over the coming months to see what the plans are uh, for this expenditure. And it, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of debt that's going to be around for generations. So it needs to be spent well because we'll be paying for this for decades. Yeah, you sort of you can. It's easier to criticise the government, but you know, the thing I heard was, you know, budgets are normally signed off four or five weeks before they actually release them. I think this one was signed off on Monday, so you can sort of understand why they haven't got all the detail. And we're going to sit and wait until some of that comes out. But I suppose one of the things I'm hoping, I'm interested in your view, is that we start to start to be a bit more innovative around our, our ideas. So if you know, if tourism is um, we need to get that industry going. So what are the innovative ways we can do that? I'm not sure just having an advertising campaign to travel around New Zealand is the answer. How do we have smart borders and those types of things? Uh, I think that innovation is the thing that um, I think we need to sort of turn that up a bit. I'd be interested in what you think. Yeah, you're, you're right on, on both counts. There's, this is a really unusual situation where you're you're executing a plan or coming up with the plan as as the as the economic threat is is unfolding in front of you and and it's really hard to go what does tourism look like in a year's time and we don't even know whether there'll be a a um a vaccine in a year's time or whether the whether it'll it'll be the problem that is today so um there's an awful lot of uncertainty so uh, that's that's why i think we saw an awful lot of tolerance um, i've never seen a budget where where you could there's always some allocated unallocated funding within a budget but 20 20 billion dollars worth is amazing 50 billion dollars worth is is bigger than the amount that we needed to um rebuild canterbury with uh at, when 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 the budget when the government was cutting those budget forecasts. So this is this is absolutely monstrous and and really uncertain. So it's it's strange times. But we do need plans on those things. And at a really basic level, one of the things and this is this isn't specifically about the budget, but I hope we don't lose sight of all of the good things that have happened while we've been in, in, in lockdown. Working from home showed a new form of congestion. The, the congestion for bandwidth on the internet, um, but it solved another congestion problem, which was the need for need for roads. So investing in the sort of technology that can enable more of that is one of the things that I hope comes over the next um, few few years. And uh, 
So uh, the, the old idea of we're going to build more houses, spend more on infrastructure, uh, it's, it's not super imaginative. It's all the other stuff which will hopefully come out in the details over the next few yeah. months uh, that I'll be interested in. And I think the tourism ones are as a biggie. Smart, smart borders, trans-Tasman bubble, reconnecting with the Pacific Islands, uh, making a, 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 a smaller form of tourism work with the countries that are near us that have, that have had similar health outcomes as us seems to make sense. And if we're realistic about the assumption that tourism will start coming back in 12 months, uh, those are the things that really need to be worked hard on over the over the coming months. Um, you know, even the ski, the ski season obviously is is going to be a write off for uh, for international travellers, but you don't want the next one to be too because you don't have a plan in place. So uh, exactly. that's exactly. something I think that we really need to step up on over the over the next over the next while. And there's some other stuff which is which is really good. There's no doubt people are going to need to be retrained. So. Spending $1.4 billion on uh, trades and apprenticeship training package is, is good, but there's going to need to be a massive amount of, of redeployment. And you know, I think of, I was just talking to my partner, Sanaida, who's a flight attendant this morning. It's, it's almost certain that an international flight attendant will need to work out what to do uh, differently for the next next couple of years. So it's, it's not just about... Uh, Training, training apprentices up and that sort of thing. There's a massive rotation the economy needs to make if we're going to change away from some of the jobs that just won't exist if we have a much smaller level of tourism for the next few years. You're definitely right on a, on a number of accounts. It's funny, we had a, had a conversation last night about, you know, if you're an airline pilot, what do you do? You know, there's arguably international airline pilots are probably going to have no work for a while, but how, how easy it is for someone like that to retrain? You know that that just seems like a very difficult situation for them. At what what they need to do, and also like your point around sort of the learnings from the lockdown. I I, no, I think it'll be a real shame if we don't take some of the learnings that we've all had, and our lives will be will be different. And I think from a work perspective, you know, I used to get up and go into the office and have meetings face to face all the time. I I haven't done that for eight weeks, and I think I've been arguably. Um, uh, more productive i think i've got closer to people bizarrely um you know i've sat here on friday nights doing uh, zoom meetings and drinks with uh, work colleagues and you get to see their living room you get to see the picture of their kids on the wall and stuff and like that that's just been awesome um and like that that's the type of stuff we should continue and that ability to be able to talk to customers rather than say hey can you come into a branch or can you come into a to a regional center and the you know the, the difficulty of the traffic and organizing stuff you know actually i can just use technology and you can sit at home in your front room or in your kitchen and we can have a, a great conversation i can share screens all that type of stuff i just think that that i think it's been a real help and that, that should help the economy and the industry just work more globally as well i would have thought chris yeah, that's my line of thinking too. And one of the things is if you've if you've got an economy in a big hole, it's clear that you need to get money back into it, and you need to encourage spending. And it's understandable that that you don't have a clear idea of of what to spend it on when that when the problem's still evolving. But there's other things you can do to get the money into the economy or to encourage expenditure, like tax breaks on on the types of investments that firms will need to make. 
if they wanted to redeploy their workforce to to working from home or incentives to allow people to do that. I agree that I think um, the meetings have been a classic thing that people just seem to enjoy more. Uh, I know from our customers' perspective that we've, we've had video meetings with, it saved everyone a lot of time. And uh, rather than bustling through traffic on the way to preparing, uh, to getting for a meeting, uh, everyone can be sitting at home preparing their notes or whatever it is that they need for, for meetings. It's, a, it's just a format that works. And, and I think for us all, what will be interesting over the, over the coming months is to see what we want to carry on uh, from this all. Uh, there's some stuff that needs to happen face-to-face, like a haircut. Uh, and uh, yeah. you can see that at the queues outside the barbers, which is which is a classic. Um, but there's other stuff that doesn't. And I drove into town yesterday for the first time since the lockdown to be on uh, on the on the TV budget budget cross, and it just felt like back to normal. There was so much traffic on the road, and I was a little bit scared actually uh, because I haven't driven my car very much. So uh, in some ways, uh, people just want to get back to it, back to it. But I hope we see a little bit that carries it over. And those are the sorts of things that the government can guide uh, with the incentives that they provide, be it through tax breaks or expenditure to try and get people uh, back to work or working more efficiently. Um, so I'll be, uh, I'll, be, I'll be watching carefully at some of these plans that get rolled out over the, over the coming months. And definitely, just maybe to finish off, certainly all this work by the Reserve Bank and the government and focusing on sort of, you know, the the issuance of bonds and keeping interest rates low certainly should provide some I suppose, reassurance to investors that people are making decisions fast to to help. So, you know, maybe if, in contrast to maybe the global financial crisis where it sort of was long and slow before people reacted, it's a, this is a very different environment. And we've seen that already in share markets responding uh, tremendously over the last uh, few weeks and that sort of risk on coming coming back into into markets. It's certainly a very different situation we've got here than we had uh, sort of 10 years ago, isn't it, Chris? Absolutely, and I think that from an investor's perspective, there's there's a few important things uh, going on. One is there's this huge debt issuance, and people get worried about that. Our interest rates going to blow out? Our, our bonds going to default, or are there going to be massive volatility in bond markets? But if we look this week, we see the government on the one hand issuing a lot of debt or planning to issue a lot of debt the Reserve Bank committing to buying it and keep interest rates low. So that's a backdrop that I think uh, will will remain for, for fixed interest markets and uh, particularly where we invest in the investment grade area. It's probably going to keep those yields uh, very low for a while and, and a little bit more stable than what they were in March because of the Reserve Bank's actions too. The other thing that I think investors should be confident in is that the government gets the size of the problem and they're really prepared to underwrite growth with this big expenditure. That will mean that growth is better than would otherwise be the, be the case. The issue of this all, there's a cost, and that is that this debt hangs around for, for a long time. But for the next few years, the, the government and the Reserve Bank are doing the right, making the right moves. And that's why the share markets responded the way it, 
it has over over recent months. So there's a there's a couple of really positive developments so far. The uncertainty is does all this work and and how does the the disease continue to unfold? But I think we've got to give uh, New Zealand uh, the big health tick on that that front. But a little bit like we saw in in, in World War Two, uh, with Winston Churchill being the person to guide us through the big decision that people will be making now is, right, how do we get guided out of the, the recovery? And, and we'll see politicians duking it out on that one over the next uh, months running up to the election. And that's going to be the interesting bit is what's the plan to grow the economy? You can't just borrow and chuck money at it. You've got to have a good plan. So that's what I'll be looking for. And that's what investors hopefully will be uh, looking for too, is some some uh, good plans exactly. and hopefully some, some good debate about the way out. Yeah, you're definitely right, Chris. The politics has uh, certainly started. I just think the, obviously, the, I think the quote of the lockdown was um, uh, Wisdom Peters yesterday when he said to uh, Simon Bridges, he should uh, get a get a hair, get a new haircut and get a new job. I thought that was fantastic. But, uh, it's already started, isn't it? Oh, absolutely! And uh, you can always count on Winston Peters to come out with the uh, with the odd clanger at these occasions. He does. He does love a bag. But um, hey, uh, awesome to talk to you, and uh, congratulations on the uh, uh, do-it-yourself haircut. I thought it looked tremendous on on TV. I'm going to go and uh, pay someone to do mine. That's my goal for the weekend. But Again, lovely talking to you. Thanks for your insights and uh, commentary, and uh, hopefully see you soon. And I understand it's a big birthday this weekend, so um, uh, happy happy birthday to you, and hope you get time to celebrate with uh, some close friends and family. Yeah, I'll be uh, celebrating my 50th with uh, 10 people or less uh, this Sunday, so thanks for the birthday wishes, JB. Good talking with you. Cheerio, oh, Chris. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz.